with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Luke 22, go to verse 7, and let me kind of paint the picture and give you the scene before we do our reading. This is Jesus, who's at the age of 33 years. And what's amazing about this time is the Gospels, the four books about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are 89 chapters in total. Of the 89 chapters in the four Gospels, 85 of them are about his last three years on earth. And of the 85, 29 are dedicated strictly to this week, Passion Week. Jesus has done his three years of ministry, and he is entering into the city of Jerusalem. It's actually where they're about to throw down their palm branches. He will come in on a donkey, and they will shout, Hosanna, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. This is his greatest burden, and this is his greatest blessing. In fact, he weeps over the city because he knows there's a burden of what he has to fulfill and what the Father has asked him to do, which is lay down his life and die for the sins of the world. But it's his greatest blessing because he knows through this death and his resurrection, he will purchase back, he will reconcile all of humanity back to the Father. So Jesus is getting his his things in order. This is the last supper that he eats with his disciples, his crew. Watch what it says here in Luke chapter 22, going into Passion Week. I thought it was fitting we looked at these scriptures. It says, then they came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water, follow him into the house, which he enters. And then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where I love this part. Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room with a lot of Ikea furniture. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover meal. I want to preach a message today. Write down the title. It's called What I Wouldn't Give to Get My Purpose Back. What I, what I Wouldn't Give to get my purpose back. Maybe during this virus, maybe during your quarantine, you have lost your purpose. Whenever you lose purpose, you lose passion. But here we find Jesus, he was led by purpose. It was his identity that drove his life. And he knew right here, even in the midst of burden and in the midst of blessing, he didn't deter from the purpose of his life. And I'm believing right now, wherever you're streaming in on, whatever platform you join us from, that there'll be great purpose for your life. Jesus had so much purpose going into Passion Week that he he knew all the bad things that were going to happen, but it didn't sway him. He knew all the things that would transpire, but he still kept that passion. Maybe you've lost your purpose and you go, you know, week one, I was doing good. Week two, I started doing bad. I got to be honest for myself. Week one, I didn't work out one time. Week two, I worked out twice. And week three, I don't want to get into the details. I've lost my purpose for working out. But wherever you are, I'm believing that Passion Week will restore in us our passion 
and our purpose. If you're here and you're with us today going, man, what I wouldn't give to get my purpose back what you're really saying is, I want to know my why. Jesus, we celebrate his life going into Easter 2020 because Jesus understood the why of his existence. He knew why he was placed on earth from the Father, and he knew why he had to have the Last Supper. So let's pray right now, and let's believe that God, by his supernatural strength, as we open up his word, he will give us revelation and understanding of the love of Jesus. Come on, let's pray together over the scriptures that we're reading today. Jesus, as we come in to Passion Week, we're praying that we would have an understanding of your life and your sacrifice. As you prepared the Passover meal, we prepare the Passover meal in our heart. And God, we're believing that as we understand your love, that we'll walk with great purpose and great passion. We speak blessing, we speak health, and we speak the peace of God over every person that's streaming in, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Come on, right now, in all the chats, give me good amens. I want to go crazy right now. Go off. Give me great emojis, and let's get fired up for the message. By the way, I want you just to be ready, because at the end of the message, for the first time since we've started streaming this way, we're going to take communion together as a church. So whatever juice you have in the fridge and whatever uh, bread you have, gluten-free or not, we're going to take communion. Even if you have a wafer or whatever uh, you want to have there as your cup, we're going to take communion and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm going to give you three things to write down today, three things to encourage you as we come in as a church to Passion Week. Write down the first one. God has prepared a table for you. I love that thought. God has already prepared a table for you. This is an amazing story. Jesus is coming in the city and he tells us, guys, guys, go into the city. You're going to see a guy walking with a jug of water. To me, it's like seeing those guys that used to have the boom boxes on their shoulder. And tell the guy, that's some high quality H2O right there. But tell them, uh, we need to go into the house. Show me the upper room that's furnished. I like that Jesus didn't want the bedroom that was empty. He wanted it already furnished. And tell this guy the master has need of it because we're going to have the Passover on that table. Let me just encourage you. God has already prepared a table for you. God has seated it. Watch what it says here in Psalm 23. Oh, I love this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I like that. God has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Maybe your enemy right now is poverty. Maybe your enemy right now is family drama. I was talking to somebody just this last week. Most of my time right now is checking in on people, calling or texting. Are you good? Do you need anything? And this guy wrote me back. He said, pray for my family. We're having a lot of friction and a lot of fallout in this time. Maybe your enemy is drama. Maybe your enemy is you lost your job. Whatever your enemy is, God has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Oh, I like that it says that God prepared a table. It's not saying you go prepare the table. Right now, our boys, they're uh, six, four, and two, our three boys. And right now I'm teaching the older two how to set the table. It used to be in our house that we fought to get a few dinners together per week. 
And now I'm fighting to get a dinner by myself, people. Give me a meal by, in, in, by my lonesome. But, but I'm teaching the boys how to set the table. You put the fork here. You put the knife here. Your cup goes here. They fight over their, their, uh, their plates. They, one wants the blue one. The other wants the orange and the other the yellow. And, and we set the table. God has not asked you to go get the silverware and to go get the fixings. God has already prepared a table for you. You've got a seat at the king's table. I don't know if you know much about the Bible, but in the Old Testament, there's this unbelievable story about this king named David. As he's ruling and reigning, he's having this massive feast at his table every night. And he remembers back to the last king, King Saul. And he says, can somebody go check 23 and me and see if there is anybody alive from Saul's lineage, Saul's family? They do some research and they find there was one person left from Saul's family and his name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, however, is not fit to sit with the king. He is, he is disabled. He, he's, not, he's not a good looking guy. And so they say, yeah, king, there's one guy left, but you don't want him at your table. He, his name is Mephibosheth. And King David says, absolutely, sit this man Mephibosheth at my table. He is here, not based upon worth, but based upon birth. I want to tell you, church, you didn't earn your seat at this table. You don't deserve this seat at this table. It is by the grace of Jesus that he has prepared a table for you in the presence of of your enemies. He's gone ahead and he's made a way. And just as he told the disciples, there is a table in that upper room. Just as he said in Psalm 23, I prepare a table. I want to encourage you for your family, for your friends, for your future. You have a seat at the table of the Lord. You might be like, man, you don't know the family I'm from. You don't know my history or background. You don't know what I did last summer or what I did last night. No, no, no. It's not about your family name. It's not about what you deserve. You are seated at this table because of the grace that comes from the life of Jesus. You get a seat at this table. It's like that, that slogan. You can sit with me. The King of Kings says to your life, you can sit with me. So as we come into the Passion Week, the first thing I want you to know, church, is that God has already prepared a table for you. And write down number two, God has already prepared the sacrifice. I love this because so much of, uh, of, of Passover meal was about the sacrifice. It's amazing to me in the book of Exodus, uh, in fact, where the Passover started, the first Passover is because all of God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt. And forever, God had been trying to get them out. They're slaves for a long time. So finally, God wrote, raised up a guy named Moses. And through Moses, he starts to speak to a man named Pharaoh. He's trying to get Pharaoh to con convince Pharaoh to get, let, let his people go. But all of a sudden, because Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart, God brings these plagues, plague of locusts, plagues of frogs, plagues of darkness. The water goes to blood, all these plagues. Well, the last plague is the plague of death, the angel of death. And God says, I want you to have this Passover meal. And anyone that puts the blood over their door, 
I'll pass over and I will not kill the firstborn. So they have this Passover meal and God gives specific instruction in Exodus 12. Two things jump out to me. The first thing that God says is I want the lamb to be cooked and I want it to be hot. Well, I think that translates to our life that the lamb of God should be hot. It wasn't meant the lamb would be cold or the lamb would be lukewarm. No, the lamb needed to be on fire just in our lives that the lamb of God should be on fire in our life. The second thing I like is that right here in Exodus 12, he says, consume all the lamb that you need. But remember, any leftovers should not be thrown out. Take all the leftovers to your neighbors. So your neighbors have some of the lamb. In other words, we should consume so much of the good news of our lamb, the good news of Jesus, that we don't just have enough for us, but we've got enough for our neighbors. Come on, I don't know about you. I don't like leftovers in general, but when it comes to the lamb of God, I want to consume so much that I've got something to give the people in my world. My life is overflowing. God has already prepared the sacrifice. He prepared the sacrifice in the Old Testament, and he prepared the sacrifice sacrifice in the New Testament. In this upper room with the disciples, they go up to this man's house. They sit in this furnished room. But here when they take over, take the Passover meal, all that they have is the bread and the juice, the bread and the vine of the branches, which is the wine. So here with the disciples, Jesus, he only has bread and wine. Why don't they have the lamb? Because they are standing with the lamb of God himself. Because the lamb is about to be sacrificed. The lamb is about to be on the cross for the sins of the world. I want to tell you, church, God has already prepared a table for you, but he has already prepared the sacrifice. It is not on us to go get a lamb. Could you imagine right now, I don't know what it's like for you, but when we go to the store, it is the one time that Julia is kind of on edge going to the grocery store and you go through the grocery store right now and everything's picked through and there's hardly anything on the shelf. Could you imagine coming into Passover week if we actually all had to go out and get a lamb? There wouldn't be enough in the world. It is not on you to go get a sacrifice. It is not on you this season to make the sacrifice. It is on you to receive the sacrifice that God has already prepared. In fact, Jesus knows this. That's why he's up in this room because he already knows. Watch what it says here in John 13. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, he knew it's time for me to be the sacrifice you don't have to go make a sacrifice because Jesus already became a sacrifice. The Bible says literally that God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become literally our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You don't have to go to Costco or to Ralph's. You don't have to go to Safeway or Albertsons. To, you don't have to go to uh, Craigers. Is that the grocery store in Florida, Kroger's? You don't have to go to Kroger's. You don't have to go get a sacrifice. Jesus already became the sacrifice in your place. So all you have to do is consume. All you have to do is let the Lamb of God be hot in your life. All you have to do is receive at the table of the Lord 
the sacrifice that he has already prepared. God has been getting your sacrifice ready. He has been getting, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is about a guy named Abraham. God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to have a son. This son, it's going to be, we're going to bless you. Out of this son, nations will come from him. It's going to be unbelievable. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Long story short, after waiting for so many years, finally, the son comes. As soon as Isaac, Abraham's son, is born, God speaks to Abraham and says, okay, Abraham, now that you got Isaac, I want you to go sacrifice your son to me. Abraham, this would be crazy to you and I, but Abraham doesn't bat an eye. He says, God, whatever you want, your will be done. He takes him up this hill and he is literally about to sacrifice the son that was promised, the son that he was waiting for. And right when he's here, God speaks and says, no, 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 no. You don't have, I was just testing your faith and testing your obedience to see if you really do trust me. I know now you will withhold nothing from me. And right then and there, he looks and watch what it says here in Genesis. Watch Genesis 22. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Translation, God prepared a sacrifice in the Old Testament. And for you and I, God prepared a sacrifice in the New Testament. It was a ram in the thicket for Abraham, but it's Jesus Christ for you and I. Come on right now in the, all the chat rooms. I want you to say amen and thank God Jesus knew that his time was coming. Jesus knew this is the last supper Jesus knew the blessing and the burden that was on his life because he had to become the sacrifice for you and I our punishment has been turned away our wrath has been appeased because of the life that was given through the sacrifice of the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world come on right now church let's get some faith let's get some excitement come on let's get some excitement on passion week our purpose is being restored through Jesus so number one God has prepared a table. Number two, God has already prepared the sacrifice. Don't get out of your house and run to the grocery store. You don't got to cook a lamb. God already sacrificed his son as a lamb. Write down number three in conclusion today. God has already prepared the victory. I like this last part. Because when the first Passover meal was consumed, and they were eating the Passover. The Israelites ate it with fear and trembling and darkness. They didn't eat it after the victory. They were eating that Passover meal before the victory. The Last Supper, when Jesus was with the disciples, they were hiding for their lives. They knew kind of what was ahead. Nobody knew Peter was going to betray him. Nobody knew Judas was about to kiss Jesus on the cheek. Some stuff was about to go down. But before it did, they were not eating from victory. They were eating kind of going, is there going to be any victory? But I want to tell you, God had already gone before the Israelites. God had already gone before the disciples. And right now in this virus, in this season, God has already gone before you and I, and he has prepared your victory. He does not have plans for your calamity. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. He does not have plans to harm you. He has plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. He has plans for your victory. Worship team, you can come join me right now because I want to just make sure that as a church we understand right now we need to plead the blood of Jesus. It was the blood that saved the Israelites as that angel passed over and it is the blood that is going to save us in this time that is passing over us. Look here in Revelation chapter 12. Church, I want to encourage you with these scriptures. This is how we're going to win our victory. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame how? By power, by might, by work ethic. No, no, no. They overcame by the blood because that's what's at this table. At this table is the bread that represents the body and the cup that represents the blood. I love that worship song we've been singing. I'm going to see a victory. How are you going to see a victory right now? These are the, I saw the UN say this last week. This is the worst thing that the world has faced since World War II. How are you going to talk about, preacher, about a victory? I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to shift. I feel a little bit like the Israelites. I feel a little bit like the disciples. I'm, fa- I'm afraid just like everybody else. I've got emotions just like everybody else. But I'll tell you how we will overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I love this because Paul, the apostle, he writes when we take the communion elements, he literally quotes Jesus and tells us what to do. Watch these last scriptures and I conclude with this today. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. In my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't it interesting right now that the world is drinking to forget their problems and forget their pain and forget their bills, but we are drinking to remember a good God, remember the table we are sitting at, remember the victory that is in Jesus, and remember that there is a sacrifice that was paid for you and I. We're not drinking to forget. We're not drinking to numb. We are not consuming content with a chaser so we can numb our pain. We are drinking and we are consuming the bread of life, the living water, the blood that washes our sins so we are as white as snow. And so right now, I want to encourage you as you drink in just a moment, as you eat in just a moment, that Passover meal, that blood from the lamb that was consumed it healed their bodies it delivered them of sickness and for you and I we'll do the same right now do this in remembrance of me the opposite of remembrance is dismember the enemy has done everything in your life to dismember you dismember you from your family dismember you from your calling dismember you from your future dismember you from your business but we're drinking in remembrance that reconciliation we are consuming 
And we are doing this in remembrance of the name that is above all names. I'm telling you, on Passion Week, our purpose will be restored. And we will get our identity back. Where the enemy has tried to bring in guilt and shame and condemnation and get you to to numb your life, we are drinking right now so we can be restored with passion. Restored with purpose. Come on, right now. Let's pray. Seated right now at the table of the Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you.